hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santorelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we're trying to find some balance in this world full of extremes. All right, let's get into the episode. So today I'm going to be doing a few more reviews of RIP diets. Uh, I got through three of them, so I'll do a brief little blurb on three more principles of intuitive eating. And I have a couple of little kind of points from different podcasts and conversations uh, I've heard recently on, again, various podcasts and entertainment. So I'll get into all that very soon. Uh, first, just a little personal update. So I am, it's actually eight in the morning right now, which is very rare for me to be podcasting this early, but um, it's Wednesday right before Thanksgiving, and I'm so excited for Thanksgiving. Um, I love, love, love this holiday. I just, I like to get together with family and friends. And even when I've had really small Thanksgivings where it's been, you know, maybe me and a boyfriend or something, I don't know. I just, I love holidays. I love the food that goes along with it. I love gathering. And typically I do have, you know, a, a good size, um, you know, group, whether it's friends or family. Uh, and I don't go home to Maine for Thanksgiving. I always, typically I do host it when I can. Um, I have gone to a couple of other people's Thanksgivings here and there, but I, I do prefer to have the leftovers at my house because I like to make sandwiches and eat leftovers for many days after. I do love the Thanksgiving sandwich on a bagel. It's delicious. And so I do like to host. And now that we have this house in Arizona, it's perfect for entertaining. It's got, you know, these huge doors that open up to our backyard and we've got tons of seating and it's just a really comfortable environment for people to, uh, you know, to entertain people. So, so I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, I have been, you know, I'm happy that I'm not going into this holiday at my heaviest weight. Uh, last year I had gone into the holidays at, you know, at my heaviest. And so, you know, I was, I wasn't nervous to, to gain, I, I mean, I always gain weight over the holidays and I accept that and I let myself, um, I don't like to do it at my heaviest. So this year, I think because of this podcast really, and because I've just been much more focused on having more balance in my life and, you know, ever since I lost that COVID, you know, what what was it, 20 pounds or so, um, you know, I've wanted to maintain most of that weight loss. So I have been doing that. My little sugar break helped. Uh, I have been incorporating some sugar back into my diet. So I forgot to mention that when my girlfriends came over last time, one of my girlfriends brought two two gallons of ice cream, a cookie dough and a mint chocolate chip. And she also brought her infamous jimmies. Uh, she brings the rainbow jimmies, which are okay. I prefer the chocolate jimmies, but I'll take a sprinkle however I can get it. And so at the end of the night, um, you know, they were, le they were like leaving and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if she's going to take the ice cream. <laughs> and I knew I should have told her to take it with her, but I'm like, well, if she forgets, I'm, you know, I get to eat it. And so I was secretly hoping that she wouldn't take it with her, uh, like a creep. And so she didn't. 
And so I proceeded that weekend to finish the two gallons of ice cream all by myself and all the sprinkles. I actually do have a couple sprinkles left, uh, but uh, it lasted until that Monday. It was like Friday to Monday. So, you know, at least I didn't eat them in one day. Uh, so that was kind of the start. And then I did take a couple, um, the rest of the week, I, I think I managed to stay away from sugar, but, um, but this, you know, I, I'm like, okay, like I'm going into the holidays. I'm going to eat sugar. I'm going to eat dessert. And so I'm like, okay, I'll start to have a little bit more sugar. I mean, this is a time when I'm like, I get to indulge a little bit. And so I went to the store the other day and I'm like, okay, what do I want for sugar? I don't want like, I didn't want to do the thing where I'm buying like, a whole box of the marble cake and then six, you know, I didn't want to binge, binge, binge like, like I have in the past. I wanted to just have some treats, um, on the weekend and then, you know, have it be, you know, enough that I pretty much got rid of it by Monday. So I bought this bag of the Haribo, um, like the, the sweet tart, uh, not sweet tarts, but the gummies, the peach gummies. And I was looking for the raspberries. My favorite Haribo gummy is the ones that are red and they're like raspberries and blackberries. Although I don't know it, like they, they do end up hurting my stomach and it could be the chemical red 40 that's in the red, red raspberries. Uh, I think that's like cancer causing, isn't it? So I, I do try it. Anything that has red coloring in it, I do look for that red 40 and I don't buy it if I see it. Um, I actually put down some icing that I saw. I'm like, oh, this red, bright red icing. I'm like, this is so cool. I could decorate Christmas cookies with it. And then I was like, oh, red 40. I'll put that back. So got the peaches in my cart, then bought some M&Ms. I wanted like a little chocolate and then a little gummy flavor. And then I also grabbed a bag of Twix bars. Now, I put the Twix bars back. I'm like, that's too much. I already have chocolate. I don't need a second bag of chocolate. So I was proud of myself for putting those back. And then and then I saw all these packages of Pillsbury cake mix and sugar cookie mix and box and like packages of icing. And for a while now, I've been wanting to have like a Miranda moment from Sex in the City where she makes an entire chocolate cake and then eats it all herself with a fork. Or, although she like threw it away and put dish detergent all over it so she wouldn't continue to eat it. But I don't know. I, I did do that in the past. Like I let myself make an entire chocolate cake and then I ate it with a fork right out of the, the thing. Because, you know, I, I was single at the time. I lived alone. I, there's no shame in my game. I'm like, this, this is what I want to do right now. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, so I don't know. I've been wanting to do that for some reason, like make a cake, eat it with a fork, not share it with anybody. Um, but so I ended up buying these boxes of cake and then I went home and I did make some cupcakes. Now they came out terribly. I mean, who makes, who messes up a box mix? cupcake mix. I do that. That would be me. I like to think I'm a good cook. There are things that come out well that I, that I make, but I definitely botch a bunch of dishes. Anywho. So these came out, um, really dry. I did eat, I think I ate like two. I ate like one of the muffin top or one of the cupcake tops. And then I think I ate one more and then I just threw the rest out. I'm like, screw the, I'm not gonna, that is one thing. I mean, 
if I've made something healthy, I do try to get it down. But if I'm, I've made like something unhealthy, okay, I'm not supposed to use those terms, but if I've made something indulgent, okay, and, and it turns out bad, I'm not going to, I'm not going to force that down my throat. I'm just not, I'm not going to eat dry cupcakes. Now, if I bought a dry cupcake, I might eat that, <laughs> but, but a whole pan of cut, no, I'm not going to do that. So I threw those away. Now the icing container was still in there. Now, luckily it wasn't like one of the big containers. It was kind of like a half size container, but I did proceed to eat that with a spoon and I finished that last night. So <laughs> my stylist, my hairstylist was like, he's, I was telling him this and he's like, oh, do you remember that movie, uh, uh, death becomes her. And he's like that, you know, Goldie Hawn at the beginning of that movie, eating all the icy. I'm like, Oh, I do remember that. It's kind of funny. Uh, anyway, I did. I mean, that took me back to when I was a kid, I would like, you know, when every time my mom would make a cake or, you know, and there'd be leftover icing, I would grab a spoon, I would go take it, get a big heaping, you know, it was always kept in the refrigerator. So it was nice and cold and, and, you know, firm. And I would just proceed to eat the icing off the spoon. Now I would savor each little lick or t tiny bite of the icing. Um, and this time I kind of, I mean, I ate it pretty fast actually, but it was really good. I love chocolate icing, all that delicious palm oil. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, well, that chocolate icing is gone. I do have more in the refrigerator. I do want to make some, like some sugar cookies. This woman was like, you ice your sugar cookies? I'm like, yes, duh. I, I mean, some people don't like icing on their sugar cookies. I love sh icing on my sugar cookies. My sister and my brother do not. So when, I'm in, when my mom makes uh, Christmas cookies at Christmas, uh, she leaves <clears throat> half of them unfrosted and half of them frosted for me. So I don't touch the ones without without frosting. So, so excited for Thanksgiving. I have been craving this Thanksgiving meal like, like no one's business. I love a Thanksgiving meal. It is so good. I just love the bite of the gravy, the bite of the gravy, the bite of the turkey with a bite of the stuffing, a little bit of potato, some gravy, little Brussels sprout on there, little bite of bread, little bite of corn, all in one bite. Oh, so, so, so good. And and I was listening to, to Diet Starts Tomorrow uh, right before I taped this podcast and Remy and Emily were talking about, um, you know, whether they have food anxiety around Thanksgiving and they, they used to, they said, but they really don't anymore. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really have any food anxiety. I just, I just crave that meal leading up to it. And usually I can get some sort of fix before Starbucks used to make this Thanksgiving sandwich and it would be now I'm usually don't eat deli meat but this turkey that Starbucks used it was somewhat it was definitely somewhat processed but it was a good quality processed meat I'm again I usually don't eat deli meat but this I could this this had a decent texture to it, it wasn't like the slimy deli meat and so they would put some stuffing in there. They would put some cranberries. And then, of course, like the crusty bread that they use when it's freshly toasted. Mm, so good. And I would get that, you know, multiple times a week leading up to the holiday. So I would get some sort of fix. And they didn't have it this year. I was so disappointed. And 
But my boyfriend did make, if any of you follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. Uh, my boyfriend did make some turkey, some Thanksgiving meatballs. Now, when he brought up this concept of Thanksgiving meatballs, I was not too excited about it. I was like, nah, that sounds kind of weird. But I, while I was saying it, I knew I would like the flavor. I'm like, it's not something I would personally want to make. But I will eat it if you make it and I will try it and I'm sure it's going to be delicious. And so he got motivated last Sunday and proceeded to make these meatballs. I think he broiled them or baked them and then finished them off like frying them. And his first batch, they were just, I don't know, he put too much, there's too much wetness in it. I don't, I think he put chicken broth or something, but, um, so he couldn't get a good sear on it. And, but it still tasted really good. He brought me a little sample out on a toothpick and it was good. But then later when I looked at the ones he had saved in the microwave, those had that nice black char on them, which is a must on a meatball. And those were so delicious, delicious, delicious. I was like, wow, these are really good. You know, you got a nice little popcorn in there. You got the stuffing, you got that savoriness and you know, it's ground Turkey, but it still, it's still really good. It definitely hit the spot last weekend, but I'm, I'm like, my stomach's growling right now thinking about all this food. Uh, but yeah, so stuffing, I would definitely say is my favorite dish on Thanksgiving. And I think I mentioned last time, I don't do anything fancy with stuffing. It's, it's, I have made homemade stuffing before, but this time I'm using, using good old stovetop. I don't care. It's fine. Um, I am, I think the last time on my last podcast, I talked about how I was going to try this beer cheese scalloped potatoes recipe. And I did make it, I, th- I think I made it right after I had taped this podcast. So the verdict is in and they were delicious. Now I used a little bit less cheese than the recipe called for, which is I, I think why I liked it. Because when I took a portion, it wasn't oozing and slimy and slippery with ch- too much cheese. It was a nice like flavor. It was perfectly coated to my taste and, you know, and it, and it was nice crunchy on top with the panko, um, really good. And I thought it had the perfect amount of cheese. Now, Chad, my boyfriend wanted more cheese, of course. I think most people that eat a scalloped potato do expect that ooziness to come out. And so we'll see what I do for the holiday because I still like them with less cheese, but I know everyone else here likes extra cheese. So we'll see. Uh, I'm going to put my friend Michelle to work making those. And she's like a cheese, like she's obsessed with cheese. Um, maybe I'll make, I think I'm going to make two batches. So maybe I'll make one with extra cheese, one with light cheese. That, that, that will be a nice balance there. Now, so I, when I was listening to DST before this, they were talking about this, like, what's your favorite dish? What's your least favorite dish? So, and across the board, everyone's a stuffing lover. Uh, but then they asked about the least favorite Thanksgiving dish. And Emily said mashed potatoes was hers. And Remy was kind of trying to talk her out of it. She's like, what about the gravy you can put on it and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that is that does make a mashed potato better. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of mashed potatoes because they have no texture. They're just kind of like a filler. And who needs an extra filler on Thanksgiving? So when somebody makes mashed potatoes and it's the only potato option, I usually will take a little bit. 
um, and douse it, just drown it in gravy because I love gravy. And this pork gravy I'm going to make is going to be so good because you make the stock for this gravy out of the giblets. So you basically saute the neck and the heart and all these like organs um, and then create, make a homemade turkey stock that then you use in the turkey pork gravy. Mm, so good. Anyway, back to potatoes. That's why I, I will eat these beer cheese potatoes. They definitely had a nice texture and a nice flavor. But mashed potatoes are just kind of there. Um, but I would say the least favorite, and, and I guess it's because I don't even take it if I see it. Like, I'm not someone that will eat a, a yam, like a yam with marshmallows. Any of those sweet dishes in the midst of my Thanksgiving meal... The only sweetness I want with my savory meal at that time is a little touch of cranberry sauce. And I do like that. Um, I don't eat a bite of cranberry sauce with every bite because I prefer the savoriness. But I do, I do like to throw a little tiny bite of cranberry in. Usually I'll take a couple bites of the full, you know, every little item on the plate on one fork chew, 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 and then maybe take a little dollop of cranberry towards the end. So I do get the sweet with the savory. That's my process in case anyone was curious. Uh, so yeah, so that's that. So, so yeah, so I, I guess, I mean, if I, if I just ate a bite separately of a yam, like a sweet potato yam marshmallow type dish, I'm sure it would be good. It's just, you know, you only have so much room in your stomach for this day and you want to make sure you're eating your favorites. This year, I'm going to go really simple with the Brussels sprouts. I'm going to actually shell them first. I'm going to take off all the leaves, which will be very labor intensive, but I don't like the dense pit of the center of a Brussels sprout. I actually like to throw that part away and just eat the, the leaves. And I'm just going to lightly broil them or bake them with um, some olive oil, some garlic, and some crushed red pepper. That way I do have like a fresh, lighter, green option. Because I'm not one to like the green bean casserole with all the creaminess of the mushroom so um, mushroom soup that they put in there. Uh and, and I, and I'm very anal retentive about having everything hot. That is what gives me the most anxiety about Thanksgiving is making sure that all the food stays hot. So I did buy a gravy container that's kind of like stainless steel, hoping that that would help. So I don't know. I was looking for some plate warmers. It's, it's always a dilemma and, you know, I always want to take my food first, so it's hot. I don't know. I, I know I'm supposed to let all the guests go first, but I, and I could always put it in the microwave, so I will be polite this year and let everyone go first. Okay. So now when I tried that recipe last week, it did call for 2% milk. Here's the other thing I get all worked up about. So I made that recipe exactly, well, now tomorrow it'll be exactly seven days. And it called for a cup of milk. And so I, you know, you can't really buy at a grocery store. You can't really buy small amounts of milk. So I had to buy, you know, like the half gallon container of a 2% milk. I think it was, I was supposed to get whole milk, but I ended up getting 2%. So, so I tried it and I, I Googled, you know, how long does milk stay good after you open it? And it said four to seven days. So I'm like, oh man, I'm like, well, by the time I 
get to Thanksgiving, this could be bad. So I don't dare to use this same gallon of milk or half gallon of milk on Thanksgiving. So I'm like, oh, do I have to waste an entire half gallon of milk? Because I haven't drank real milk in a long time. I prefer, I like almond milk. It has very few calories and, and, you know, I like, I like almond milk, but I have this whole half gallon of 2% milk left over. So what I did start doing just because I hate to waste things, <clears throat> I started putting like yesterday I had, I think two or three protein shakes and I put 2% milk in them. It was delicious. Let me tell you, I, it tasted like a true chocolate milkshake. It was delicious. So I think I'm going to have another one of those today. Then most of the milk will be gone and I won't feel bad for wasting milk. So just wanted to share that. And then let's see, I've been prepping for the turkey trot. So I have gotten in a good amount of working out. Uh, I, I mean, you know, my intervals, 20 minutes, it doesn't quite prepare me for the turkey trot, but I'm going to, I'm going to take it easy. Like I'm not going to, you know, challenge anyone. I truly am going to trot, maybe walk some of it. So excited for that. Um, I will be making some mimosas. We have an orange tree and the, the oranges are just turning ripe. And so I'll be making some homemade, uh, some fresh squeezed juice in my juicer and making mimosas, which I'm excited about. And yeah, so one more thing I just wanted to bring up. Curious if, if any of you do this out there. So I've heard this concept mentioned a few times on Diet Starts Tomorrow, that podcast. And and it's it's supposed to be this like disordered eating type of thing that people do. And it's called body checking. And I do do this. I mean, I, so I do it with my stomach quite a bit. I, I, I basically like feel how bloated I, my stomach is every morning. And it's kind of like, it tells me, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't, doesn't really tell me anything. I mean, I think I do it just to see how bloated I am that morning. And and, you know, and, and look, if I've pigged out the night before, if I've like binged or overindulged and of course my stomach is like, like big and bloated and not feeling great. And, and then, you know, there's other times where if I've eaten fairly light, like, like, so Monday night, the icing I ate, I ate a lot. I ate, you know, a good percentage of the container. And my stomach, Tuesday morning, not great. Then last night, I finished off the container, but it was only a tiny bit left. And I had really nothing else in the house that I could snack on. So I just forced myself to go to bed. So my stomach this morning was not as bloated and feeling gross. But the the idea of body checking is like, you know, making sure like, it's okay. Like your body's still there. You haven't like blown up overnight. You, and I, and I do think that there is an element of that in there. I do. So I don't know that I feel like I need to stop this. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's causing any issues in my life. Um, you know, and I look in mirrors just like anybody else does. I mean, 
I do like to look at myself. <laughs> I am a vain person. Uh, so I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you all think of this? Do you body check? Do you think it's a problem? Do you beat yourself up when you body check? Um, I mean, for me, it's kind of like acceptance in some capacity, right? Like it's knowing that, you know, that, that lower part of my belly is, you know, it's never going to be this like flat type of, you know, Kardashian stomach who's had, you know, Kardashian, like they might've had plastic surgery. I mean, there's that, that fake looking flat tummy that's out there. It's gotta be plastic surgery. Um, I will never have that. Now, I, Pilates definitely helps to tighten that lower belly, but, you know, in large part, it's like why I love high-waisted things. It's like, I don't have to have that area. I mean, that's the area that I used to just dwell on and, and worry about when I was in my controlling relationship and felt like I had to be in a teeny tiny bikini and shrink that area so that I could like fit in at pool parties. But now I'm just like fuck it. Like it's, I don't, I can just wear a high-waisted bikini. <laughs> so anyway, I, I just wanted to bring that up because a, a few people have brought it up recently and talking about as if it's like a problem. And, you know, I know it's not necessarily the healthiest thing. I do understand there's disordered patterns there, but is it affecting my life? I don't think so. So anyway, just wanted to touch on that as a thought. Okay, so now let's get into my review of RIP diets. So this is going to be episode number three. And the third principle that Emily talks about of intuitive eating is make peace with food. And that way you don't have to, like, don't restrict certain types of food because then you'll get into this, like, last supper mentality. And so the idea here is that by labeling foods like good and bad and restricting yourself and saying like that is just completely off limits to me, then you tend to like way overindulge and binge when you do let yourself eat it. And that that causes this like yo-yoing cycle and this binge restrict mentality and that's not, that's very disordered. And, you know, I have to say that, you know, and, and what she, what Emily gave as an example is like, if say, say a lot of people are trying to stay away from bread, right? And, and especially if people have been like, no, I just can't eat bread. Bread's bad. Bread, it, you know, is not good for you. It's processed. It's blah, blah, blah. Then when you, you know, you're, you go to a restaurant and they bring that bread basket and you're smelling this like enticing bread and and then you end up eating eight rolls and and feeling sick and feeling guilty and then going back in this vicious cycle. So I do understand this and I I absolutely understand, you know, why this is why this is not good that, that you need to allow yourself to have these things so you don't go off the deep end at times. And, and I, and I, and I totally agree with that. Now I do recognize in myself that I do, that I do this in, like, I do this with my weekends, right? 
And and I know that this is slightly disordered or, or at least thought of as disordered where like you let yourself have whatever on the weekends or or that one cheat day and then you're back to restriction. Well, the way that I like to think about that, like I have to have boundaries in my life or I won't have any like I need I need to give myself like a plan right? Like I need a structure that I follow that works for me, works for my mental health, works for my body, my energy level, all of that. And so the way that I have structured that is to try to mitigate or definitely follow like the 80-20 rule during the week. I don't say absolutely no, I'm not going to eat any sugar this week. And because that, you know, that does tend to to go off the deep end. But, you know, like last night I had my icing. But but everything that day up until that icing was very whole. Like I had a lot of whole foods. Now I do, and, and I did talk about this. Like I let myself have that half a bagel. That that bread in my little whole foods journey was, I, I wanted it. Like I that satisfied me. I ate it with an egg, you know, had some protein with it. And it was just one of those things where I'm like, I don't need to like restrict myself with this because it's not, I still feel good and, and like I've had a very nutritious, healthy day if I'm eating this and I don't feel like I have to restrict this for myself. So I think it's about knowing yourself and, and I don't want to eat a ton of processed sugar every day. I just don't. And I do have the tendency to want that. And if I don't have any structure to my day, to my week, right, where I'm, focused on eating less of that stuff during the week. And then I let myself have a little more of it during the weekend. That works for me. If I didn't do that, then when I like that last networking event that I went to on a Wednesday, I would have eaten the donuts they had out. You know, I would have eaten the 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 bagels that they had out instead of choosing, you know, eggs and potatoes and a little bacon instead. Now, some people would have looked at the meal I had and said, oh, that's, but mine had a lot of protein instead of just carbs and sugar. So for me, I made the healthier choice that day because I was in my structured way of choosing more whole foods during the week and choosing less sugar. So for me, that's intuitively what I want to do. Now, does that lead to some of this last supper mentality on a Sunday when I'm like, oh, I can't eat that much sugar tomorrow. And so I need to make sure I get it in today. Absolutely. And that's, so I, I do know that this still can manifest as, as slightly, you know, disordered, but for me, it works for me having some structure, having a little bit less during the week works um, but I, but I absolutely understand this, like this last supper mentality with people that are extreme with it, you know, cause there are people that are like, I can never have processed sugar again, or I'm going to go a whole month without processed sugar, a whole month without bread. Like that, I think, you know, doing it for really long periods of time and, you know, feeling like, oh my God, I can never have this again. That I think leads to this, this idea of like mourning that food and when it's in front of you, really overindulging on it. So I, I definitely understand. And and what she had said is like, well, she was talking about how people tend to like, a lot of people tend to like restrict during the day, you know, not eat a lot of snacks. Um, but then late at night, 
eating way more and, and kind of binging because you've restricted during the day and how a lot of people get into that vicious cycle. I will say that was what a lot of my weight loss clients would do. They would not eat all day and then they would just go ham at night. And now I eat all throughout the day. I do tend to save more calories for the evening time because that's just how I like to eat. I, I just, I, I'm more snacky during the day I'm running around, but I definitely, and there's, there's some days I eat more than other days during, during the day. I don't, I don't have hard, fast rules, but I do have a healthy kind of, um, habit of making that, you know, protein shake during the day that, that really healthy one where it has low sugar, not the one I've been making with my 2% milk, but you know, the one with the avocado and the acai and the blueberries and all that stuff. So I feel really good when I have that shake. And so, you know, that, that in and of itself, just having that habit where I usually do that almost every single day, that just sets me up for success, you know, early. And then, um, you know, having things like having that, I had this white bean, um, chicken chili soup in the house from Trader Joe's. It was really light, very satisfying, very easy. That helped me tremendously this past couple of weeks to stay, you know, focused on not overindulging because it's very satisfying. It was warm, it was filling and it was very light and nice and salty. <clears throat> so it was a nice, you know, follow up to my, you know, nutritious, delicious, kind of sweet protein shake in the morning. So, so anyway, I, I do think making peace with food is very important. Now, Emily talked about how you basically have to let yourself go ham for a while. And what she meant by that is like people that have been in this mentality of like, I can't eat bread. I can't eat sugar. I can't eat. It's like, those are bad foods. That's, you know, those labels that you have for certain foods. What she's saying is like in order to break that diet culture cycle and in order to fully live and and embody this idea of, you know, making peace with food, you need to like all those foods that you've been restricting yourself from, you have to like let yourself really indulge to the point where you're not like afraid you'll never have it anymore. So for example, Sammy on... DST diet starts tomorrow the former host she did that with cake she would have when she was trying to get out of her disordered eating funk and and learn intuitive eating she let herself have so much cake like huge amounts of cake because that with cake specifically was the food that people that she would always restrict herself from and when she when she let herself have it she would totally binge on it and, and so now she's just, she doesn't have any more of those food rules. She will have cake during the week. She's not, you know, savoring it, you know, saving it from some special occasion. And, and that helped heal her, you know, her, um, relationship with food. So I, I definitely get that. I mean, you know, I know every Christmas, like I'm going to be very, very indulgent with lots of things, lots of sugar, lots of treats, lots. And, and, you know, it's just one of those things. I'm like, I, I never panic about food because, well, that's not true, but, um, you know, I, I definitely know that 
Like, I don't have any of those foods where I'm like, I just can't have that. Like, if I want it, I have it. Um, you know, I, but again, I, I do have some structure and, and some balance in my life, which I think is important. But, um, so, so anyway, so that's what she did, you know, for people that, you know, might be restricting bread, like have that, have that loaf of garlic bread, you know, have it enough where you're like, okay, I, I, I don't, I don't recognize this as like a bad you know, food that just is totally hands-off. And that is, again, a way that people can help heal that relationship with food and and learn to live intuitively with, with their eating habits. So that was principle number three. Principle number four is challenge the food police. So this is basically about that little voice inside your head that's telling you, oh, no, that's bad. You can't have that. That's, that's off limits. That's only at special occasions. You know, that's too fattening for you. That has too much sugar. Like all of those like little food police rules. And really what that is, is it's like the tenets of diet culture that have been ingrained into us that are trying to send you like effed up messages. And so the way Emily put it was kind of like monitoring that food police. Yeah, that's what I just said. <laughs> so um, these voices inside us really that other people have created and it creates this like negative thought pattern towards a specific food choice. Um, you know, I do try to, and and again, with intuitive eating, it's like, I do have to say that the one thing they kind of leave out is, is like this idea of like addicting food, um, like a McDonald's. Like if you go to, if, if I let myself go to McDonald's and, and have like a full meal there, I'm craving that addictive chemically food the next day. And so, you know, that's, that is one of the reasons I try to not go to fast food restaurants and as I don't want to create that habit, um, and so that's just kind of like something that's just a choice for me, but, but, but I, I don't have a food rule about it. There are times that I will go to a, you know, a fast food restaurant and, and get something. Now, um, now I will say what Emily gave, Emily gave this example of people that will be like, you know, sugar is the next, uh, is the next cigarette, like basically saying that sugar is as harmful as cigarettes. I've heard that too. You know, I've definitely heard that, you know, sugar causes cancer, all these things. It is addicting. I mean, sugar absolutely is addicting, but Emily was kind of, you know, speaking against that. Um, and, and just kind of like, you know, basically being like, you know, like there's all these like influencers and, and wellness people preaching, like and and trying to basically say you these are completely off limits right and 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 it's interesting because there's now a lot of registered dietitians that you'll see on Instagram you know eating processed candy eating you know these things that you know wellness culture has told us is bad right and I think what they're trying to address is the disordered eating, the the tendency for people to be like, "Oh my god, I I ate a Cadbury egg. I'm I'm gone off track and and it's all ruined." You know, it's that kind of like all or nothing mentality. 
that can be really harmful to people. And so I think mainly RDs are trying to get people away from that type of, of thought, right? It's it's what like that Jordan Syatt preaches. It's like if you have a day where you overindulge, it's like it's not the end of the world. Just, you know, start eating nutritionally again the way that you want to. And if it happens again, that's okay. Like, again, it's it's getting out of that mentality of, oh my God, everything's ruined. I need to just binge the rest of the week, you know, because this one, you know, meal, I, you know, had ice cream for the meal instead of, you know, my salad or whatever. So I definitely understand what she's saying here. There's, there are people that have these just messed up, you know, negative voices in their head that they need to kind of get away from. And, and, and then Emily kind of went off. Now this podcast that, that I'm, speaking of right now, this was taped back in 2020 at the height of the pandemic. And so Emily was sharing this, this story about, you know, people being out in the park and, you know, people are still wearing masks and it's still not appropriate to kind of be around each other. And it's very taboo. And, and she's like, she she was getting together with a group of people very responsibly, socially distanced with masks on and she was talking about the, this other group of people that had, that were kind of being, in her opinion, reckless, had these kids running around and they were kind of running close to people. And of course, you know, this is at a time where people are like, don't get near me. You're going to give me COVID. And, you know, of course, kids tend to, you know, be into everything and carry more germs. So it sounded like the people in Emily's group were not liking that these kids were kind of coming near them. And this guy made this comment like, oh, I need to get out of here. That fat kid just came near me. And and Emily was just like really taken aback by his choice of words of calling a child fat and just throwing out this derogatory comment towards, uh, you know, towards somebody very young. And and the idea of how damaging that is, not only to if that child heard that comment, which would be very, very damaging, but with no thought or care towards who would get offended by that. And and Emily was really analyzing this because she she was a, you know a a child who you know had was in a larger body when she was young. She was sent to fat camp. She, you know, and and so she was very triggered by this, but she didn't know how to handle it. She didn't know how to say something in that moment. And that is hard. That is very hard, you know, when you're in a group of people and it's like, you don't want to kill the vibe, but it's like, oh my God, somebody just said something totally inappropriate that needs to be addressed. And, and Emily just said, she just kind of laughed it off and, and she was beating herself up for this. She's like, she's trying not to beat herself up, but you could tell she was just racked with guilt over how she had responded. And she kind of like looked down and kind of laughed it off and just didn't say anything. And she's like analyzing and analyzing like why she did that and, and how maybe she would handle it differently in the future. And, you know, would she have the, the, you know, have the, the strength to voice her, her opinion about how that he shouldn't have said that. And, um, I mean, I've said stuff that I, that I, that I've been ashamed of. I'm, I'm sure even on this podcast, like I've said stuff that came out the wrong way or was not actually what I intended like there's so many times I have 
I have extreme bathos over something I said. Like, I'll think back to what I said on the podcast. I'm like, oh my God, did I say that? Like, that totally came out wrong. I hope people don't, you know, take that the wrong way. But it's, it is what it is. So, you know, who knows what, how this guy was brought up that would say that. Um, but, you know, she talks about how uh, she, it really brought her back to this moment in her childhood where she was nine years old and she, she said her aunt and uncle used to belong to this fancy country club. And she's like, it was so fun. She's like, I would love going over there and going to the snack bar and using the pool. And she would be in this little tankini and she's like, she felt so cute. People were complimenting her on it. And, and her aunt complimented her. And then when she got home, her mom told her, oh, you know, your aunt gave you a nice compliment and said that she thought that you, you looked like you lost weight. And Emily, instead of being complimented, she got immediately defensive towards her mom. She was like, she felt embarrassed. She felt like, why would people comment on her weight? And she's like, I didn't lose weight. She's like, why would people think that? She's like, I'm skinny. And, and her mom ended up getting really defensive too and getting upset with her and being like, well, well, why would you get offended by that? Why wouldn't, why would you get offended if people are complimenting you? And, and she ended up getting in her daughter's face and saying, you're not skinny, you're fat. And, and I, I was shocked by this. I was totally shocked and it, it literally made me want to cry um, for little Emily. And I, I just can't fathom that, like, and how hurtful that would be coming from a parent. Like my mom would never say anything like that to me. And, and again, this is that, that childhood trauma that a lot of people with disordered eating dealt with in the past. And I, I am so blessed that I, you know, I know that there, that it is normal for parents to, to to be concerned over their child's weight if their child is, you know, a, like, again, and it's so hard because, right, the BMI is bullshit. And, but they do say, and I, I believe this is a scientific fact, but that you do gain a lot of your fat cells when you're young. And so, and I, and childhood diabetes is a thing. So if your child is gaining, I mean, all kids, it's normal for kids to be chubby. It's normal for kids to to be heavier. It's normal for kids to have like extra fat on their bodies. That's all healthy, right? Um, but if your child has put on enough weight where they're veering on diabetes, that I can imagine would be concerning to a parent. Just like if you have a child that you know, anyway, let, let me not make some, some comparisons, but I, I can imagine that would be stressful. And I think that, and I don't know if Emily was near getting diabetes. I'm just saying, I'm, and I'm not defending her mom. What I'm saying is if I was a mother and had a child that looked like they were gaining to the point where they were going to get childhood diabetes, I would be concerned and I would feel I would imagine I would feel very helpless because I also know you can't, you can't tell a kid to lose weight and have them be like, oh yeah, let me go on, let me go lose weight. It's because you can cause all this trauma by anything you say. 
And and it's it's always got to come from the person at any age, right? Like any at any age, you if you want to lose weight, it's got to come from you. Coming from an external source typically sends people in the opposite direction. So, you know, I I was actually so and and Emily Emily definitely was traumatized by that, but she also empathized with her mom. And she spoke about that. She spoke about how, um, what did she say? She said she, she, she could imagine how it was such, it could be a source of pain for her mom that she, that her mom was, why she isn't happy people, oh, oh, she thought, Emily empathized with her mom saying that she, she thought she understood that her mom felt like she was failing as a mother by allowing Emily to be heavier than she, than she should be. And I would imagine that that is how her mom felt. And I would imagine that that not only came internally from whatever, whatever messages her mom had from her own parents, right? That thin is the best. You, you you need to be thin to be socially accepted, blah, blah, blah that that's like the messages her mom had, but that her mom was probably also felt judged by other people for having a child that was heavier than she should be. So Emily, Emily has like enough grace where she's able to like stand back and look at her mom's failings in that and know that it came from her own disordered place, her own messed up diet culture brain that we're all subject to, right? It's, it's this new age, the social media, it's, it's, there's a lot now more awareness of, of what, what can be harmful when you say it to children and, and whatever. So I, I just think that that was very insightful of, of Emily to give her mom grace, to understand, you know, where she came from, you know, similar to how, like my dad was very much not a perfect dad. You know, he was an alcoholic when he, when, when we were young, we grew up with that. But do I think that my dad loved us? Did he do his best? Absolutely. And so, you know, while I talk about his failings, I still love my dad and, you know, God rest his soul. But, um, yeah, I, I do think that when you can look back and give your parents grace for the mistakes that they made, we're all just trying to figure it out. And, and again, parents have it really hard. Like I, again, I'm (laughs) one of the reasons I didn't want to have, it's like, it's a, it's such a scary world, but yeah, I mean, your, your kid, you know, I've dealt with people in my life having addiction issues and seeing families that parents that struggle with their child that has addiction and, and helpless. How, how do they fix it? How do they help them? You know, there's this woman that's, you know, a, a senior level VP and, you know, in my startup life, her son, now I'm in cannabis, obviously, there's still a lot of stigma around cannabis. And I educate on the health benefits of cannabis and how it's a medicine. And it, it is, it is an accepted medicine now for many conditions, But again, the people that have the strongest stigma around it typically had a child that was a drug addict and had a really either died young 
or is out on the streets now. And this was that the case of this woman. She, you know, had she supported cannabis for the people that need it. And she actually needed it herself. She had extreme insomnia. She really needed it to help her sleep. But she she wouldn't touch it because she had a child that was very much addicted to drugs and and she's lost him in her life. I mean, he's she doesn't know where he is. He's probably unsafe living on the streets and this poor woman, you know, but you can't you can't choose the path your child takes. You know, just like you can't help it if your parent is a loser, right? Like so we all choose our choice and but I, I again, I I can empathize with as much as I was shocked and horrified that Emily's mom I, I definitely think her mom went through her own shit when she was young and all these messages were in her head. So anyway, really interesting stuff. So that was that fourth principle of diet, of intuitive eating is challenge the food police, murder that negative voice inside your head. That's my own spin on it. Okay. Now, RIP diets, number episode number five discover the satisfaction factor. So this last principle is all about like experiencing food, right? It's about enjoying the sensations, making eating an experience versus like standing at the, at the table, shoving food down and not even realizing that you ate, right? Being more mindful, and, and so like, you know, I know that again, there's a lot of backlash on the F factor diet, but they call it mindful indulgences. And so, you know, enjoying eating as an experience so that you can be satisfied, you know, you don't need to keep eating and keep eating and keep eating. It's about, you know, putting it on a plate, you know, making it look nice, you know, putting on, you know, some, some, you know, being in a nice ambiance and and really finding pleasure and satisfaction in that experience, you know, when you're eating what you want to eat, you know, you're not restricting yourself. You're like, I want that ribeye. I want that, you know, shrimp scampi and, and sitting down and, you know, smelling it and looking how it's beautifully arranged on your plate and enjoying the texture and really noticing that texture. That's, you know... By defeating those kind of inner voices of restriction and not not having boundaries on what you can eat, it gives you that freedom to really experience and enjoy the satisfaction that food can bring. And, you know, and Emily shared a story of how, you know, there's, look, there's days that she's running around like a crazy person and is just getting food in as, as fast as she can. And that's fine. But she's like, this, this idea, though, is that when you have the time, you know, taking time to sit down, right? Uh, you know, not, not, you're not supposed to be distracted in front of the TV or, you know, like I do, I like listening to a podcast when I'm, but that's again, why I like podcasts so much. Like, you know, if you're watching a movie and again, I do like to eat while I'm watching a movie or watching TV. I know you're not supposed to do that, but it's just what I like to do. But the nice thing about listening to a podcast is you, you actually can, still be entertained, but you can really focus on your food at the same time. And, you know, you have your hands free. You don't have to be watching anything. So you can watch 
the food, you know, put that nice little like sliver of jalapeno on that perfect bite. You can use your knife to perfectly slather a little more butter on this crusty piece of bread. You can, you know, take that dollop of hot sauce and put it perfectly on that bite of egg and bagel. You know, those types of things. You can still really enjoy it and enjoy that sensation, enjoy the taste and enjoy that experience while you're, while you're listening to a podcast. Now, you know, some registered dietitians probably advise against the podcast part, but I still feel like I can enjoy, truly enjoy the satisfaction of eating while whilst listening to a podcast. Um, but yeah, so now I do this. I mean, I am all about the experience of eating. This is, and I, I do understand why it needs to be a principle in intuitive eating, because I think a lot of people have put so many food rules around themselves that they've lost this ability to truly indulge, like not indulge, but truly enjoy the experience. Uh, you know, actually, no, I shouldn't take that back. They they can enjoy that experience of indulging while they're, while they're doing it, right? Instead of feeling guilty about it, right? If you're going to have that donut, really enjoy that donut. Enjoy the flakiness. Enjoy the unctuous sensation from biting in, you know, the sugar, just, you know, making your teeth hurt. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, again, this is why I've always said, I think I am an intuitive eater, but still do let in a, some of the principles of losing weight and wanting to maintain a, a healthy, or at least the, the weight that I want to, to be at. So, Again, I, I know I still have some of the this, this disordered elements in my life, but I will say I've always been someone that can, that enjoys a food experience. And I think what they're talking about is like, if you take the time to, you know, get that special plate and arrange the food in, in a beautiful way that you'll, and you're really focusing on, on tasting it and enjoying it, that you'll, you may have the propensity to eat less. Now, I tend to I tend to take small small portions because I do think that I don't know, things taste better when you have a small portion and then you can go back for more. So, whenever I'm eating ice cream, I don't know why, but I like it in like a little tiny cup. For some reason when I'm eating things, I like like I'm really weird about the spoon that I eat. Like I love a small, delicate spoon. Like we have these two, we have two sizes of spoons and the the small, I usually use the small one. Nine times out of 10, I'm using this little small one. And it's kind of got this like flat, like oblong, no, kind of like a flat, rect, almost rectangle shape, but it's like the soft side rectangles. Anyway, it's just, it's a really nice experience eating off of these spoons. And, you know, when I have my ice cream, for example, I put it in this like little cup with my sprinkles and I can just, you know, as the ice cream is kind of melty, I can like take my spoon, get a little bit of the meltiness, a little bit of the solid ice cream. And it's like the perfect ratio of Jimmy to ice cream, to hard ice cream, to melty ice cream. So... You know, I am definitely about, I, the problem is I just go back 
you know, 12 times to get that little cup of ice cream. But, uh, you know, I definitely am very, I have some, <laughs> some little weird things, but it's all in the vein of enjoying the experience of eating, you know, putting a little tiny bit of each food for my plate on one bite and eating that perfect bite. That is part of that experience. You know, the, the different, like when I'm eating bread, like the crusty parts that like the pleasure of putting a little tiny bit of butter on just that perfect bite and then crunching in at that perfect spot that allows the full deliciousness, crunchiness, textural pleasing. Mm. I'm all about it. So absolutely believe in this principle of, you know, discovering the satisfaction factor. And I, you know, I feel terrible for people that can't enjoy food like this. It's, I think it's part of life. I think it's part of enjoying life. I think food makes the world go round. It brings people together. And, you know, if, if, if there are people out there that are just in their heads constantly, that is why this intuitive eating approach is a good one because it does allow you to get, get out of your head, stop beating yourself up and focus on how amazing and delicious food can be. So that's my last review of that. I still have, let's see. So that was number five. I still have five more to go, but I think I'm going to try to do exactly what I just did this time and, and do like another th two or three or maybe even four at the same time just to get through them. I, don't, I hope you guys aren't bored of this, but um, I did want to get through that those first 10 episodes. So I'm enjoying it. Hopefully you are too. Uh, well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope all of you have a wonderful, you know, time with family, friends. If you're working, thank you for working and being there for your company. Um, and if you're alone, you know, I hope you enjoy your alone time and enjoy some solitude and getting away from people because sometimes that can be a blessing. Uh, and yeah, if anyone has anything that they want to share, if anybody would like to send me any pictures of their food, uh, if anybody would like to share their favorite dish or their least favorite Thanksgiving dish, please DM me on Instagram at diet obsessed podcast. You can also follow me on my regular Instagram, veronica.santorelli. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Just go down, leave a couple stars, leave a review, leave a comment. I did see a new one from one of my listeners. Thank you, girl. I really, really appreciate that. Um, if you're so inclined, make uh, the podcast your Instagram story so more people find, about, find out about it. And until we meet again, I hope all of you have very balanced meat full of delicious things. Give